This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined. As always, for the first time of our fourth season by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. I never thought I'd uh, say this, but I missed your voice, Will. I missed, <laughs> you, I missed you something first. I know. It, even launching into that intro, I was like, how do I do this again? <laughs> do I say, as always, do I, I say know, independent? Good, that, I, you I got do. right back into the groove. Pure, you're, you're, You can tell you're the professional of the two of us. Uh, look, it's great to be back. Um Good to see you. I mean, obviously, you know, it's been a, a quiet enough couple of months with no rugby. Uh, certainly have missed that. The Super Rugby's maybe kept me kept me going a little bit, kept me somewhat sane uh, in the few games that I've watched. Um, but really looking forward to getting back into a few juicy fixtures uh, this weekend, actually. Oh, yeah, brilliant. What a way to start at Leinster Munster, uh, Connacht Ulster as well. And we're just hoping, you know, everything goes you know well from that point of view. And there's no hiccups and we can just get into it. What it looks to be a really exciting couple of weeks of rugby. Uh, and then for for us on the left wing, season number four, uh, number a big four, a yeah. big milestone. When we started, I actually, I actually think you were in your twenties when we started doing this podcast. That's how long ago it was. I think it was, I was your, Bill. You're fucking. I think you, you were twenty nine. Curse, I curse there. No, but I absolutely was in my. You could see my. I couldn't see my finger, but I was pointing my finger at you. I absolutely was in my twenties. Um, I'm almost yeah, the same age as you were then. This is so crazy. Oh, uh, it's a slippery slope, Will. It goes quick. It goes quick. Um, look, it's been a great four years. We've been really lucky, I think, to commentate over or to be, I suppose, observing what I think has been a really successful period of Irish rugby. You know, it's made it very enjoyable. I Just think. forget it's about the World Cups. It's been unbelievable. I've still found out. I've st- We've still found ways to be uh, to be critical, um, but I suppose we always meet it in, in, in the in the best way, and we want what's best for the team. But I think look, very exciting period we're coming into. Leinster looked like they're, you know, before the season ended, they were in in, in a very strong position. Uh, Munster made some very astute signings, as have Ulster, and I think both are coming forces and look like they may have narrowed the gap with Leinster. We watched with. Uh, we watch, I think we'll watch with bated breath. I think maybe to see over the next couple of weeks if that's actually what has transpired, and over the coming or sorry, over the start of next season, which will kind of come up very quickly. Um, and then we've got some Champions Cup to look forward to as well. Hopefully, uh, barring obviously some um, 
you know, some some nasty COVID surprises. Obviously, there's been some bad news out of, uh, I suppose, out of the Munster camp. Maybe one guy possibly in the academy having mm. it. It looks like it hasn't impacted the group, which is great. Um, but other than that, like, you'd kind of expect that might crop up here and there during the season. So hopefully they just manage it as best they can and we don't have any more delays to the season because... As you said at the start, it is great to be back uh, with some rugby on the calendar. Yeah, and we're going to be joined in just a minute by Keen Tracy and Rory O'Connor, our friends who are, are regular contributors to the left wing. It'll be great to see them back. Uh, but just first, how's, how's the last couple of you know weeks and months been in, in, in COVID land? You know, I know you're on holidays there and you're staycationing at the moment in Kerry, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Kerry, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I just love it down here. I've been coming here for, Jesus, I think it's... I was counting up there. The first time was 27 years ago, so we've... Uh, Coming into a family place here, so it's really nice. Uh, very lucky to have it in, uh, you know, when, when lots of people have kind of been maybe, excuse me, stuck in the um, stuck in the city, maybe, or haven't had a chance to get out of the, get out of the, uh, uh, get out of Dublin. So it's been nice to have this facility to to come away to. Uh, it's been the first time, admittedly, I was finishing off a bit of study, so that's done. Um, uh, so I'm delighted to be to be finished that, and um, yeah, just looking forward to it- get. Sorry, go on. Is it nice to be walking around there? You know, and people don't know who you are. You're not getting recognized like you would in South Dublin all the time. Yeah. Autographs and photos and heckles and tomatoes being thrown at you and whatever. Yeah, no. Well, I'm in Munster, so no one cares about me down here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, look, it's... Uh, ah, look, Kerry's great because uh, where we are, we could not be further from um, from, from any kind of uh, civilization really here. Um we're pretty much down by the Skellig Rocks. Not out on the Skellig Rocks, obviously, but we're pretty close. As close as you can get to it pretty much on land. So um, it is a beautiful part of the world. And I uh, feel very lucky to be spending a bit of time here. I like. I think as well, sometimes you can kind of, you know, you, one thing about COVID, I think that we probably all, we probably all realize, I'm sure you've had this conversation with a few of your mates as well over the, over the period. Like you kind of end up, um, the simple things have kind of become more... Um, maybe you've kind of realized about them, you know, the value of them maybe a little bit more over this period. And maybe yeah. you can realize how lucky we have it in Ireland. Like there's some beautiful places to go visit in Ireland. And, um, I've, we've really enjoyed that. I um, really enjoyed the, the, the week so far down here. So yeah, well, yeah. Well, you, you, you got away, you did a few trips as well, didn't you? Ah, uh, yeah. I did a few, a few staycations myself. I was in, in Clare and Cork. Uh, it's funny when you were like taking things for granted. I was just like, yeah, I'll never take the Pro 14 for granted ever again. Come back, come back, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Given <laughs> Zebra and the Dragons. I don't even care who it is. I, I, I watch anything. Um, but yeah. no, it's, it, it's great to be back though. Uh, chatting rugby, big weekend coming up. And I'm delighted to be joined by our old friends, Rory O'Connor and Keen Tracy. Lads, thanks so much for joining us. How's it going? Good to be back. Keen, I'm really admiring your lockdown beard there. You know, Rory's more of a lockdown stubble, I'd say. He's probably shaved his a while ago, but your ears are still going yeah, strong. Yeah, it's on its second coming now. I did get rid of it, but it's it's back now by popular demand. But um, we're still kind of... Popular demand? Popular demand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how long it lasts when I actually, when we're allowed to go back into the real world. Yeah, it's probably just as well that all journalists won't be allowed to attend this weekend. I don't know if you get, get very far with, with that beard, but Rory... Um, Going on to this weekend, I guess, it's a strange time where we're kind of starting a new season, but also finishing up the old one. Uh, you know, I know Leinster referred to it as kind of a World Cup style, you know, approach they're taking over the next couple of weeks with their knockout games to come and maybe these games with more of a warm-up feel for them. What do you expect to see this weekend, obviously, because with the preseason element of it, but also going straight into the business end of last season, it's a very unusual dynamic. It's hard to know, Will, really, what we're going to see because it's been so long. I mean, myself and Keane have been previewing the four provinces in the paper this week and on the website. 
and it's like you're kind of having to remember what happened before this all shut down and before we all started doing nostalgia pieces and watching old games again like you know who plays for these teams you know it's like it's uh, trying to figure all that stuff out again and and you know having watched the super rugby competitions down under and a bit of premiership at the weekend i think it's fair to expect that it won't be like it'll be that they'll be going for it but it's going to be a bit um stop start it's going to be it's going to be early season stuff so there's like there's a lot of stake but it's going to take a while for the teams to get up to scratch and it would be unfair, I think, to be, expect instant classics, even though we're all desperate to see them and we've all been missing rugby for, for this long. So um, you would hope that it's that, that they've been able, you know, the extended period it took, you know, to come back, you know, a month after football and, and Gaelic games in order so that the players could do a full preseason. And you'd hope that there's not going to be a spate of injuries and that they've given themselves the time to prepare. You would hope that the games are are good, that they're competitive, that, that they've adjusted to the new breakdown emphasis that have probably disrupted the games elsewhere, that they've learned from that, you know. But I think, yeah, it's going to be rusty and it's been so long since they played and it might be a couple of weeks before everyone, you know, starts clicking. But that doesn't take away from the fact that it's fascinating and it's great to have it back. And I really can't wait to, to just, you know, see some new rugby and see how everyone's kind of, um, how everyone's kind of set for the, the, the long year ahead. Yeah, King, because as Rod mentioned there, I know the two of you are kind of previewing all the provinces, what's at stake for each of them, because they're all coming into it, you know, in different spaces. Obviously, you know, Leinster know they're already in the knockout stages of both competitions. They're in a strong position. They could be playing most of those games at the Aviva Stadium. You know, Ulster have suffered some really, unfortunately, timely injuries. Robert Balakuni and Henderson, Will Addison, Connacht have lost a lot of players over the summer. They don't have any knockout rugby to play, so they're only really playing two matches and they're going back into cold storage. But Munster, I guess, is the most interesting one in many ways because... While this weekend, as Rudd said, you mightn't expect the quality right away. I think we're, we're going to move pretty quickly from, you know, being thankful rugby's back to, you know, questioning if Munster can get over this Leinster home, especially with the two South Africans in situ as well. Johan van Graham won't get much, you know, of a grace period, even though we are coming back from a long lockdown. Yeah, because it's like Rod said, you know, you would expect a bit of rustiness and maybe people being slow to hit the ground running, but that doesn't really kind of count for Munster because they have, you know, they've got very little wiggle room. They need to get the job done early. Um, like their preparations have been a nightmare, obviously, with getting the positive COVID tests uh, with the academy player last week. Like that's just thrown a real spanner into the works, not only for their preparations, but I guess it was a reminder of how precarious the whole situation is that... And that's probably why we have to embrace this weekend, you know, for what it is, because we might not get another one again. You know, I know there's games scheduled for next weekend, but even you look at soccer today, I see Europa Europa League qualifiers have been cancelled. There's a couple of games in Ireland have been cancelled, women's football as well. So, yeah, it's kind of finely balanced, but you're right, like Munster... Munster, in terms of preparations, like I believe they were supposed to play an in-house game last week um, against each other, which would have been seen as a, a big stepping stone towards Leinster this weekend. And that had to be cancelled on Thursday. Their training session on Friday was cancelled on Thursday. But, you know, come Saturday evening at TV, but there are going to be very little excuses because by the sounds of it, the two South Africans, uh, Orgy Snyman and Damien Delende, are both going to start this weekend if they come through training. So, you know, there are no excuses. They've put a lot, a lot of investment into these two guys coming in. Um, it's probably important to remember that the coaching staff, there's been huge investment in the coaching staff as well in terms of Stephen Larkham and Graham Rountree. They've now had a long time. I know it hasn't been ideal because of the lockdown, but they've had a long time with the squad to put their ideas across. So, yeah, it's kind of 
it's time for, it's time for Munster I think to really show what they're worth yeah looking for you like what, what's kind of jumping out to you going into this weekend is it as Keen mentioned that the kind of the whole you know issue of maybe one positive test derailing everything or are you just kind of more focusing on you know the storylines that, we, that we're hopefully going to be able to enjoy over the next few weeks I think it's definitely the storylines piece um, look it's by the way it's, it's great to be back talking about sport isn't it I mean um, you know we've kind of been stuck on really golf and uh a little bit of NBA now at the moment, but it's, it is great to be back talking about sport and probably in line with that, I think. Um, yeah, like I, I, my, my feeling around this is that we're going to keep getting, until there's some kind of vaccine in place, we're just going to keep getting these kind of moments where there's going to be one person here or one person there um, that might turn up with the virus and that we're just going to have to try and manage it as best we can. Um, like, I mean, I think from even, you know, from a business perspective, I think the sport will have to, they'll have to do something. They need some kind of revenues coming in um you know to to keep the the, the to keep the doors open essentially like I, I thought that sounded like a really good deal for the for the players to be honest with you because i feel like um sorry the one they got negotiated on their behalf in terms of the salaries because i don't know it just seems like there's been a huge like pretty much half the season's gone you know so i think from that perspective I, i'm really looking forward to seeing the game up and i hope we just can manage it as best we can as the cases crop up, because I think they will crop up, or crop up here and there. It looks like that's what it's going to be like for the for the foreseeable future until there's a vaccine. So, um, very exciting to be back. Uh, really looking forward to, to to seeing some some rugby, you know. And look, I think that the Super Rugby has obviously kind of kept us going for the for the moment. But I think we all want to see like a Leinster Munster match. Is there? I, I'm not sure there's any you know club fixture in rugby that I prefer to watch. I think it's always a, a great encounter. Um, and I'm looking forward. I know Ulster have been a bit unlucky with injuries, but I'm looking forward to seeing how few of their signings settle in as well. I think, uh, and, and if they can kind of keep that little momentum that they had before uh, the break going, I feel like they're a club that's going in the right direction, and I think they'll be back at the top table actually over the next uh, over the next year. So uh, interesting to see if there's been any progress made there during the break as well. So uh, very excited to get to watch the games. Yeah, and Rude, like is last season, you know, completely gone now. You know, as in. Leinster were obviously on this amazing unbeaten run. They go into the new season still with that streak intact and the competitions are in a lie. But like for all intents and purposes, it's been six months. So like form line wise, are we gonna are we starting completely afresh for you? I don't know. I like that's what the players will tell you. And I think that's the way they have to approach it. And certainly they're not gonna start heaping pressure on themselves by talking about the need to, you know, win games to maintain a hundred percent record. Um when the cap season's been wiped out, and you know if Leinster can afford to lose one of these games and it doesn't really affect them, they've still got the the you know their draw won't change, it won't really affect the scenario. I presume Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster will play their strongest team this week and then rest up guys against Ulster in week two before going full at the semi final because they go semi final final you you presume then into a Champions Cup quarter final against Saracens potentially into a semi final. So that's obviously a hectic period, but they do need to have at least one hit out uh, with all the players there and then, you know, see see where they go. So, yeah, like, I guess last season was like a, a qualifying tournament for the, you know, for, for, for this mini tournament that we have here. And we have this weird runoff where there's no, pre, there's no pre-season, no preparation, and they all have different scenarios that they're facing. So Leinster are safe, Ulster are effectively safe, but know that they're, they're going to be away technically in the in the semi-final um and Munster are what trying to hold off the Scarlets who are I think eight points behind but they're they're only two points behind Edinburgh at the top of their conference so Munster plan to host their semi-final at Thoman Park if they win if they win both games and they can leapfrog Edinburgh into second or into, into first 
but also just have to get two points over the course of these two games to get themselves over the line. So they've all, and, and Connacht are in Europe and really just are the great disruptors of this. They don't, it doesn't really matter what happens to them. They just want to get something out of the games and can probably play 30 players in the first in, in the two games. So um, last season, tease it up. But yeah, there is no form line. You know, it's been too long. And really, like, you know, one thing I think Keen and I both noticed as we went through the Pro 14 stats was, you know, the teams we're going to see this weekend haven't played an awful lot of Pro 14 because it's World Cup. it was a World Cup year and it was generally the kind of squad players who were stepping up in this competition, whereas you're going to see more kind of Champions Cup style teams playing in the, in this tournament. Can I ask you a question on that one there, Rhodes? Um, just, a, I suppose, as a follow-up one. I think it's kind of a, it's a really good point, isn't it? I think like Leinster, where, where Leinster's real advantage in this competition, I think, particularly in the league, um, comes to the fore is the depth there. I think that like the depth chart is so like the people who aren't going to be playing week in week out in, in say a big Champions League, a Cup match, they're going to be playing in the league and they've done a fantastic job. Do you think everything kind of tightens up now and that the, those that difference that Leinster have shown? Like I mean, they're obviously unbeaten so far. Does that does that really tighten up in the next couple of weeks for them? And is this really uh, like my my own personal feeling is this is kind of really. It's been a bit. It'll affect them massively. I think this little bit of momentum that they would have had in, and all the advantages that they have are kind of. It's the, the margin for error has gotten has gotten way skinnier now for them. I think. Yeah, I think that that advantage is gone, but I think they still probably have the strongest fifteen in the competition. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, on paper, Munster's fifteen is looking pretty good with yeah. the addition of their their new their new lads, but um, I still think Leinster are the strongest setup all round. So they have the strongest team with the strongest backups, and that's what makes them so formidable. So. Um, but yeah, I, I do think you're right. It's over a 30 game season. Leinster's, Leinster's depth, their their um, yeah, their depth is is what comes to the fore and gets them through those tricky weeks away to the Dragons or away to the Scarlets when there's no one there. Um, I think we will see some of the, like Ryan Baird. I think will be someone we'll be seeing a bit of yeah. in the next couple of weeks because um, James Ryan is injured. Um, Hugo Keenan had a really good season. I wonder if he's going to be able to try and you know get in there at all. Um, you know, how much are they going to use Rob Kearney? Obviously, Ferg McFadden, you know, has suffered that really unfortunate bad time injury. So I think they'll use the squad next week. I think, like, with Leinster's big, since 2016, Leinster's big thing is that they pick on form. So if a young guy's putting his hand up, they're going to pick him. And, um, you know, if they, they, only they know what's been going on at, at UCD over the last six to eight weeks. But I guess, given the calibre of player that's available to Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster, it's going to take some training to, to knock some of those establishing national level teams. And Keen, one thing on, on that the lads touched on there, I guess, is the unusual nature of this of the setup with all the knockout games in a row. But to be fair, like like Leo Cullen is used to kind of tweaking the squad, you know, after a Champions Cup final going into a semi-final against Munster. I think it's the last two seasons he's done that. They've been pretty successful at balancing that, and you know, leaving some guys out of the team to, to give them a rest and still being able to fight on two fronts. So from that perspective, even though there is, what, one, two, three, four, essentially five knockout games over the course of seven, eight weeks, they do have experience with, you know, when to give a guy a rest, when to bring in a younger guy. That, that's something they've been pretty good at. He, he's well used to it, yeah. Um, I think, he, like Rudd is right, I think Leo Cullen will be conscious of the fact that he does need to get We'll say the likes of your Johnny Sexons, you know, up and running before knockout rugby comes along. I think the one interesting thing about, you know, we do make so much of Leinster's depth and you see it again, they've promoted five players from their academy, but they haven't signed anyone from the outside, which like I think is a calculated risk. I think on one hand, it's really admirable that, you know, they're promoting from within, but I think just to 
freshen it up and to keep certain guys on your toes, it's, it is no harm to, to kind of look out there. Now, fair enough, if, if there isn't anyone out there they think they could have signed. But I even, I was chatting to you, Rod, about this yesterday. You know, Conor O'Brien has pulled his hamstring and is out for a very long time. It sounds like a, a bad injury. Um, you consider that Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose are going to be away for a large chunk of the season. So that's going to be three centres that Leinster are down in. I just kind of wonder, you know, in, in that area, is it someone that they could have might have looked at? So while it's all well and good championing the, the strength and depth, I think it is a calculated risk at the same time. Yeah, that's interesting, Luke, because obviously, you know, when you bring in a Scott Friday or a James Lowe, it adds humongous value to the team and pushes you to winning a double in 2018. But, you know, other signings, and, you know, it's unfair to maybe single out one or two people, but like someone like Joe Tamani came in, wasn't as successful, but did get game time when he was there at the expense of some younger players. So it is a balance. As Keane said, it's maybe a slightly calculated risk, but when you look at the talent they did promote, like someone like Dan Sheehan promoted to a pro contract, he hasn't even played for Leinster yet. That's how highly they rate him. Ryan Baird, another one. Now, I know that's not in the centre where Keane was specifically talking about, but it is something that Leinster are so good at that. For me, I don't think it is that, that big of a risk. I think the squad they have there, I think in many cases, you would just be bringing someone in to go ahead of someone in the queue who, who probably deserves their chance now. I agree. I think there's no need for Leinster to bring in anyone. I think there's where Leinster, like they're, they're, they're in such a good position now, in my opinion, that they don't need to do that. And I actually think it actually it damages the game here if they do that. What I would say is, I, and, and just to touch on Keane's point, I always think there has been value added bringing in someone experienced and someone who's properly world class. I just don't think, I don't think you should be bringing people who aren't world class. Like James Lowe, as you might, like he was a young guy, he was a project player. Um, and as much as I disagree with that, I think like you can see the value in that one. And he was the top try scorer, I think. In was he top top try scorer in Super Rugby that season before he came, or for the Chiefs, definitely. Anyway, I think. Um, so like like he was definitely a coming power there, and you could see that one. But for other people, like the Tamani one, didn't really make sense to me. I didn't think Leinster needed to do it, and I think that's been proved right in the end. Uh, as you say, the people who probably lost out on game time in the end, it's probably been to the detriment of the club. So their situation is probably a little bit different. I look at Munster and I say, those two guys are world-class players that they brought in. They really add value and they'll be, you know, that'll be brilliant for the club and that'll bring on the other players they're trying to bring on to create the same kind of depth that Leinster have. So they'll, they'll be brilliant for that. So I don't think Leinster's situation might be different to, to say the other clubs. And I look at, say, um, oh, his name is escaping now. This is terrible. But say the Ulster number eight, God, uh, the guy. Uh, yeah. I look at him and I think the same thing. I think he's absolutely world class. Um, and I see, I see massive value in having someone like him in your squad. Um, so if you're going to do it, you need to do it properly. Like you need to do a Dougie Howlett or you need to do something or an East of the Siwa. Um, and, and that's the only place I think where Irish rugby is at at the moment and the amount of young talent that they have. And I think they run it really well. Like the players that the young people, young guys coming through now are in serious condition. Their skills are way ahead of anything, even from when I started in the, in the mid noughties, like I just think it, it's, it's taken a huge leap forward. So um, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but I think Leinster might be a, a case on its own. I think there's value to be added in the other places that are probably trying to catch up. Yeah, Rudin, I know like you did a good uh, profile a couple of weeks back on Sneeman and Dialende, kind of just about their background, what they can bring. Like it's safe to say there's probably haven't been two signings as hyped coming in in a long time. Like even Scott Friday, James Lowe wouldn't have had anywhere near the hype because there is the sense that 
they could be missing pieces to, to Munster getting back to the top table. And even this weekend, you think like Dialende lining up alongside Chris Farrell, like the power in the centre alone. Like, are, are they that close? Are these guys that good that they could be the difference between Munster finally getting a trophy back? Yeah, well, they could be. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're all that calibre. And it, it's probably the closest thing I can think of that it's like is 08 when, when Leinster went and got Rocky and CJ van der Linde. And I think Issa came over and Luke and touch on what an impact they made in terms of turning a club that were, you know, were known as nearly men and were getting to the quarterfinals, semifinals. But, you know, I know they, they won the Magnus League that year, but, um, you know, all eyes were on. That probably wasn't as big a deal as it is even is now. It, you know, they were looking for a Heineken Cup and, and those players and Nelson in particular, um, and, and the Seaway, fairness to them, um, you know, helped get Leinster over that line and they haven't looked back. And I think Munster have been knocking on the door and they've been overpowered in big games and they're, they're able to beat... 85, 90% of the teams, um, but they just can't scratch Lancer, Saracens um, and Racing in those big games. And I think power is, is a massive part of that. And what Snayman and Delande bring, as well as other things, is that ability to win the game line, is that confrontational um, South African style. And given they have a South African coach who, who's you know from the Heineken-Mera school, um, I think he, they will fit, and who has a very long-standing relationship with, both players, you know, Snayman since he was 13, he was asked, some guy from a school, they went to the same school, um, a coach there rang uh, uh, Van Gran and said, Come here, you got to come down and see this giant 13-year-old. Um, and I think he kind of mentored him through and then Dillende he's worked with at the Springboks. So, um, and I, it, I, I, during his time in the Springboks, he seemed to be very close with all, a lot of the players. So, um, it's a big moment for Van Gran and, and Munster backed them with a bit of private investment. You know, he's brought in Matt Gallagher from Saracens, good player as well. Uh, Bernie been going very well. And Salanoa from Leinster, who won't be playing in the next couple of weeks, I don't because he's, he's carrying carrying an injury. But, um, you know, this this looks like a transform, tra- transformative signing and the kind of, I don't think there's any excuses for Munster now. Um, maybe not to go out and beat Leinster in week one when they haven't played together and they've had a COVID test and all that sort of stuff. But over the next three weeks, they should be building towards a big semi-final performance. And really, they should be, like they're not. They've no European. There's nothing after this for for Munster. Really, they've no European games like Leinster and Ulster. They can go full at this and and leave nothing behind. And I think if they don't get to a final, at least, and really, they should be looking at winning it. They'd be pretty disappointed. I guess keen one potential excuse anyway, and if you're talking about missing pieces, is the continued unavailability of Joey Carberry. Like I know you sent a tweet yesterday, kind of saying that you know there's a human being at the centre of all this. Like it's easy to just think of him as a rugby player who's been injured for the last uh, pretty much since February 2019. He's only featured I think five times since then. Uh, it, it's just been a rotten luck, and now it's when you say like an indefinite period. You're starting to, you know, your mind goes to very bad places in terms of how long he could be on the sidelines for going forward. Yeah, like, like, like you said, like the tweet, like first and foremost, like you just have to feel sorry for Joey Carberry himself. Like it's a huge loss to Munster, it's a huge loss to, to Irish rugby, but for the player himself, like I mean, it it does sound it does sound obviously pretty bad. Um, he's been through absolute hell. Like you, you think back, like he picked up the injury this time last year in that warm up game against Italy, and I think we talked about this before in the pod, you know. Like the chance to go to a World Cup doesn't come around that often. And while if I was in his situation, I would have been pushing to go in too. But you just wonder should the decision been taken out of his hands, you know, because Munster have not been happy at all about how this has been played out. Like, you know, they made big moves to get him to Munster in the first place. Um, they've been denied their key playmaker. Um, I can see you, you don't agree with me, Luke. 
No, I think you're hundred percent right. So I keep going, Keen. Yeah, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, like it was. You were shaking your head ever. vociferously, so I can see why he was it's, confused. It's, sorry, it's the biggest short-termism I've ever yeah. seen. Like he was barely, he was, he wouldn't. He, I don't think he was. Was he not? He wasn't available for any of the group matches at a minimum, wasn't it? Or the, maybe the last group match. It just shows he, you. He, he played against Japan off the bench, no, but he, he didn't look. You fit. have to push back on people. This is a career choice now. This is like you're you've got a 12 year window and people are talking about like he was he was 23 at the time. Like he had an opportunity to go to two more. If you're not right, you're not right. That's it. Lower limb injuries, like anything below the knee. And uh, like you have to be so careful. They don't heal well. They're real slow healers. Ask anyone who, who's uh, like I, I fortunately, this is one area of rugby that I just know too, I know pretty well. It's just the injury side of it. Below your knee is a disaster. You just need to treat it with the respect it deserves. And if your body's not right, your body's not right. And I just think it's just a, it, I, I think they're, they've real cause to be really, really um, annoyed about how, how that was dealt with. And I think the player as well, you know, he like hopefully he gets back from this thing and I'm sure he will. But he needs, there's real learning in that for, for young guys, any young, young players watching that situation play out. Don't ever be pressured into playing uh when you're not right um and you know you're not right don't let somebody like because it's an easy thing to do it just it happens in organizations all over the place people just senior people pushing you to do things that you know aren't right um and look at look at how this this is his career now he's missed a year of rugby um he should be coming into his prime now so i i, I think Keane's absolutely on the money I, I just feel like it's a really bad it shows really really poorly actually about treating someone with respect um, and the respect they deserve and treating their career with the respect it deserves. If you think back to it, like, I mean, the one thing you'd say is like none of us are medical professionals, but like you think back to when he suffered the injury, like he was almost in tears. Like he'd known he had done something very bad to his ankle. Like myself and Rod, like Rod, we were over there. I remember he, he did an interview after that pool game and he just didn't look right. He wasn't himself. Like he was still clearly carrying the injury. So I just feel like Luke said, a 23-year-old who wants to go to the World Cup, fair enough. But the decision has got to be taken out of his out of his hands, and this isn't like sort of in hindsight either, because it was a bit of a surprise that he he travelled in the first place. Because like I said, it looked like a very bad injury. Um, yeah, Munster Munster aren't happy. I think Van Gran has done well to kind of keep his counsel. He's had a couple of almost like veiled digs, I'd say, in that like you know he's our player now. We like he's in our system. We're going to look after him. Um, so he is getting a lot of support. You, you'd hope that he'll be back, but. When the province aren't even putting a timeline on it, it's it's pretty grim stuff. And look, I suppose on the flip side of that is it's it's a big chance for for JJ Hannerhan. Um, we were asking Van Grand about it yesterday. You know, would they look at bringing someone else in? Because I know they have three young out halves in Jack Crowley, Ben Healy, and Jake Flannery. Who, to be honest, anyway, is a bit more of a fullback. But like, if JJ Hannerhan was to get injured this weekend, then consider Tyler Blainhall is obviously retired now. They've no senior out half left, which is which is not ideal. So it's a tricky situation, but the one person I feel for the most, without a doubt, is Joey Carberry. But I just, I, like, without wanting to relitigate the World Cup, because we've probably done that enough in this podcast. He's done. It's, the, the decision didn't benefit the team in any way either. You know, I mean, they brought a player who wasn't fit, who contributed very little over the course of, through no fault of his own, really, contributed very little. He took one of the 31 spots and was never really a, in a position where he was able to add anything of, of value Whereas Ross Byrne was going, like Ross Byrne was, from what I believe, was not really given any opportunity to shine, was thrown in against England and Twickenham as a, a lamb to the slaughter, basically, with very limited preparation. 
And then apparently it wasn't really spoken to by the coaches again in the entire time he was there in, in, in the training camp. So, you know, it didn't, I think it, this is one of the things all teams have to learn from, particularly Ireland at World Cups, is like, don't bring guys who aren't fit and aren't able to contribute just because they're, they're really good players when they are fit. Pick the guys that are fit and back them. Because you know it's real, it's 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 called it's yeah it's really the year of Joey Carby's career. Hopefully, just a year. Hopefully, not anything beyond that. And really, it, it was a major problem for Ireland when they actually got over to Japan, and you know other players started started dropping my flies as well. All my positivity for rugby restarting has just been you know to suck like a Hoover has just been sucked right out of it. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll go on anyway. But Keen, if if you're just kind of looking at rugby's restart, you know as a whole. You know, is there opportunities here as well? Obviously, you know, it's all come from COVID, yeah. but you know, some of the things like <laughs> the international mini tournament that was um mooted before, you know, by where rugby is a variation of that being run in November. You see, like, the, the super rugby realignment. I think the Champions Cup is going to be done slightly different this year with you know, uh, eight pools of three teams. That tournament has kind of been crying out for a little bit of a shake up as well, even though the Irish teams do very well in it. Like, are you, are you kind of a bit excited even about some possibilities that could emerge from what is a very tough time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the new kind of Six Nation expanded Six Nation tournament sounds sounds like it'd be great. I mean, and especially when you're watching the Super, the Super Rugby New Zealand over the last while, it just kind of reminds you of the quality that's out there. And I suppose even just from an Irish point of view for a sec, like you think about the amount of games that are going to be coming, we're going to see a lot of players blooded. Uh, Rod mentioned Ryan Burge earlier. I think like guys like him are going to be, you know, in the shake-up come, come November and October because you think back to... Andy Farrell having the development players in the Six Nations squad, which was something that, you know, was interesting that he named them publicly. I thought it was a great move. Something Joe Schmidt never used to do in his time. He'd almost be sneaking guys in and out of camp. You can um, blame Rhodes for that. Just <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't find out, but but like on, on a serious note, like what would that do for a young guy's confidence? Now, unfortunately, one of the, those guys was Robert Balakoon, who's obviously suffered a horrific hamstring injury. But it sounds of it, but. That's very much with the long game in sight. So I'm excited by hopefully, again, like not getting too far ahead of ourselves, by hopefully seeing plenty of international games that's going to give chances to young guys. Because I think maybe in the past, like Irish rugby has probably been too focused on a certain core group of players. Whereas, you know, you'd have the one international against a tier two nation where you get to see the, the kind of the younger guys get their chance. But we might see more of that um, this year, which I think is very exciting. Uh, and Luke, I guess Keane's obviously touching the young players there, but one thing that I, I guess that kind of jumped out to me when I was doing a little bit of research earlier is, you know, Johnny Sexton, for instance, as it stands, this is his last season contracted in the Irish system. He turned 35 over the summer. The last time we saw him play rugby, it was in a tough outing against England where the team was struggling. It, like, it, it's a big year for him because he's maintained that he wants to go on like Tom Brady and continue to play uh, on and on. Uh, he's coming into the season in a very interesting place himself, even though he is you know, the biggest name in the Irish system. He had a tough, you know, few weeks uh, probably before uh, it shut down. Um, yeah, look, I mean, look, I think these seasons are always a little bit stressful mentally. Uh, my feeling on him is that he always seems to thrive, though, when things are going in this, like when, when he's under a little bit of pressure. For, for the most part, I think he's been uh, one of the most consistent parts about him is when, 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 the, when the pressure comes on, usually he, he delivers. Uh, I still think he has a huge advantage in Leinster in that, um, they pretty much have two 16, probably more than even 16 international pack, you know, like they're just, so he's always playing behind a team that's going forward. I think they play the most progressive and quickest brand of rugby uh, of all the teams. And I think that suits him as well. Um, his decision-making and his delivery 
I still think look they're like they're head and shoulders above the, the competition. Um, but as you say, the age thing will come into it. And I think, you know, he's had history before, possibly of when you think of the racing move. I think the IRFU like a bit of horse trading. I think they like to be they, they liked a bit of um is it kind of Dutch auction style or whatever, like where they kind of they, they like it to go down to the to the wire, really. They like to argue over silly things. And I think if, I don't think he likes that. I think he just said, listen, this is what I want. I think, And I think that was how the other negotiators said, this is what I want. Um, and they kind of were kind of trading around it, I think. before they, I'm talking about the racing contract, obviously. My feeling is that over a certain age, they just start doing this. And they do it for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't think he deals well with that. I think he wants to, he wants to say a number. And they, if they hit it or they don't hit it, he's, like, he'll make a decision based on that. Um and I wonder, yeah, I think it could be it could be a, a difficult one for them because I think they already get. Uh, I've heard some some horror stories of how they deal with people um, when they're older, even if they're still excellent and still the best they have. They might still be in that situation where they're oh, they, they still rely on them so heavily that um, you know th- they might just have to give him what he wants. But it, you, it's an interesting point you make, and it will be interesting to see how he progresses because, as you said, very difficult end of the season. That's a that's, that was a difficult one for him to to probably finish on, but. Look, I think everyone in the team, like uh, my view on this is particularly when the pack gets so badly beaten, when you're nine and 10, there's nothing you can really do. Like you're just, every decision you make is under pressure for the whole day. So uh, I wouldn't be, you know, the blame for that one lies with everyone rather than just one person, even though you get all the praise at the 10 when things go well and usually most of the the um, the flack as well. But yeah, it's it'll be there'll be a bit of pressure on him, and he needs to hit the ground running, definitely, particularly at his age. Um, but I still think he'll be in a position where he's the key the key piece for Ireland. You know? Yeah, Ruth, because as Luke mentioned, there'll be an interesting subplot throughout this season, especially as we mentioned a minute ago. Joey Carberry, obviously, you know, indefinitely injured. He was kind of seen as maybe the, his Johnny's eventual replacement. Ross Brown, as you mentioned, hasn't gotten a whole pile of game time. Uh, you know, for Ireland, uh, you know, Jack Cardi's form was a bit patchy after the World Cup. There's no one obviously there. So if if the IRFU didn't want to offer Johnny a national contract at the end of that this season. There's no one really obviously there to replace him. So it'll be very interesting to see how that develops over the course of this season. If you're Ireland captain, you know, we've kind of managed to get ourselves in another situation where the oldest player in the team is the captain. And um, you know, he's 35 <laughs> and he's going to be 39 at, or 38 at the next World Cup, isn't he? So, or 37, 38. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, he's a starting 10 and he's your captain at this stage. He's probably going to be certainly in around that phase at the end of the season. It's a diff- they've worked themselves into a, diff- a tricky situation. I think if Carberry was fit and firing and putting pressure on, then it'd be a, a more comfortable position. But I think Johnny's in a pretty strong bargaining position when it comes to his contract at, the, at this stage. But I do think, like, it's funny, we're going into a Munster game. Like, if you go back to that 2018 Christmas derby, it was kind of like, you know, Johnny just been named as World Player of the Year. He led Ireland to that incredible calendar year that we'll, we'll never forget. And he got rattled by Finney Witcherly and went after Joey in a kind of a really strange way across the game. And and, it, and it, like, it kind of from there, we've had, I think, three of his probably career worst performances have followed. And I completely take Luke's point about the probably in all three games, the pack have been battered and, and haven't done him any favours. But if you think of, um, our, uh, sorry, Wales away in the Six Nations, you think of the, the World Cup quarter final against New Zealand and you think of that uh, England game away last year, it's just, that's, we had never seen him perform that way before. And I guess when you see that happen and you add in the age factor, you start to have some doubts. Uh, he's had a massive break at a really pivotal point of his career. 
Um, he looks after himself very well. He looks an unbelievable nick. I mean, that picture that came out just after the gun show. Uh, the gun show, yeah. He, like he looks like he's he, he's put it to good use. He looks after himself very well, as I say. Um, he's in this era. Reckons he can go to forty two, uh, which seems unrealistic at this. Remember, they're at they're point. they're very good friends. So be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Caveat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. for saying that, it's like. <laughs> But you know it's gonna be like he's in a in a sport where and Luke is a prime example. People are retiring earlier, finishing earlier. He's trying to push the boundaries and, and go beyond and kind of that Munster Maldini project way and and push himself to to a place that we're not really seeing. It's it's really interesting to see how he goes. But I I wish him all like we I think Irish rugby needs him at the moment. But I do think there is a gulf. I think Ian Madigan's the one you forgot there. I think him him and maybe Billy Burns will be pushing. But you know Ian's had a. A tough year at Bristol. He's, he's going to have to play his way in. Um, but yeah, he's still. I think he's still the number one. Whether the field is good enough to close the gap, I'm not without Joey Carberry in there. I'm not sure right now. I think the battle is still to be his number two. I think as well though. Like I think the guy who we haven't mentioned, who I just think is, I, I just every time I watch him play, I think he looks like a really good player. Is Kieran Frawley? Like I don't know how he's how they've kept him at Leinster. I just don't know. Um, because Ross Byrne has been brilliant. I think I think it's like he's a guy who's definitely going to push this year, um, and he'll keep. And that that battle will get harder to win the longer it goes on because he's he's a quality player, um, and I think he'll come to a point where he needs to be playing all the big games in his own head. And he's a kind of he seems strong enough that he could make that decision if it came to it. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be resting my laurels there if I was Leinster. Um, but for all he's a guy like Munster to me, like I think he'd just be an unbelievable signing for them. I think he's a guy who needs to be start. He needs to start playing the big games more regularly. I hate to, like, as much as I want to see Leinster in my heart, <laughs> like, just continue to kind of maybe stay ahead. For him, for just as on a personal level, he's a guy that looks like a really quality operator to me. Um, and if Joey's going to be away with Ireland camp and he's struggling with injuries, oh, he's a guy. As much as you say, Dialanda, like, I kind of think Munster aren't too bad in that area. I think he definitely will add value. But a ten, like someone like. Frawley could be a game changer for them. He looks quality to me. So uh, there are guys there. As much as we like, you know, we are very reliant on Johnny at the moment. But there's guys who are, I think, next year or so, leaving aside the the subplot of uh, the negotiation side of things and, and and Johnny. There's a few guys there. I think it's not all, you know, I suppose doom and gloom in that position for us. There are a lot of young guys who are on the cusp. But as 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 Brod said, he is head and shoulders above at the moment. Well, Keen, it's funny when you talk about the young guys on the cusp. There's also Ian Madigan, who a guy who I know his last couple of seasons, let's be frank, he, you know, he didn't really have great success in Bordeaux or in Bristol towards the end. But if you look at his CV, he has had shoulders a better rugby CV than anyone else. He has played for Ireland in big games, you know, World Cup games. Uh, you know, he's had big success with Leinster winning Heineken Cups and Pro 14s. If he can get back to, to form with Ulster, I know he has to beat out Billy Burns first. You know, that'll be a battle as well. He's he's a guy in the prime of his career, or he should be. Yeah, and he's you know he's making no bones about the fact that he's coming back to Ireland with a point to prove. Um, it's great for us to have him back as well because he's always a good talker. Uh, he's always honest and upfront about sort sort of his feelings. And you know Andy Farrell gave him a shout out last week as well, which will have done wonders for his confidence as well. Yeah, look, I think like, that's a brilliant signing for Ulster. Um, I really do. I know Billy Burns like had a really good season last year, and he was in around the Ireland setup as well, but. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see if Ian Madigan can hit form to see him overtaking him, to be honest. I think he, he still has plenty left in him. Um, same with Albie Matthewson. I think like the Ulster have made two really shrewd signings there. Um, I think the one person we haven't mentioned who's worth mentioning is Harry Byrne, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, talk about young tens. 
Um, as actually himself and Ross were the last people I interviewed in person before lockdown as well. So they, they have a special place in my heart. I might not ever do an interview in person <laughs> again. Um, but he's a quality, quality operator as well. And Lens are really, really excited, like very different kind of player to Ross, like much more attacking. So um, there are plenty of options there, but it's just kind of about one of them, you know, kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and, and making the position his own with Carberry injured, I think. Keane's earlier yeah. point, I wonder will we see Frawley at 12 a bit this season just to cover that. 15, 15 maybe as well. He could be a bit if of a no, If there's no centres, he might get a run. Yeah, you know, in that, yeah, in that yeah that's a good point actually. Frawley reminds me a bit of uh, Carberry, like similar type of player, and I think he could be one who kind of could fill a couple of positions. But whether he wants to do that, um, like Lou touched on, you know, these guys, it's going to come to a point eventually where they're going to want to start in their preferred position, exactly like Carberry, I guess. And, and one player who I think a lot of people, regardless of what province they support, is, is really excited to see hopefully come back in the next couple of weeks is Dan Levy, who obviously suffered that really terrible leg injury against Ulster in April, I think, 2019. There was hope he might have been involved, you know, this weekend. That doesn't look to be the case. Even the following weekend might be a bit too soon for him. But at some stage over the next few weeks, hopefully he'll come back. And I know I, I was listening to you speak a few weeks ago and you talked about how, you know, while Lencer will be delighted to have him back, it's, it's really maybe with a, with a view to Ireland where he, he could really be a, a really big boost. Uh, he's a physical leader. You know, he's, he's he sets the tone physically along with James Ryan. And I think... You know, it happened so like he, he kind of missed the 2019 Six Nations through one injury and then picked up that horrendous injury against Ulster. And by the time the World Cup came around, we almost forgot, you know, that he, he wasn't there because it just, you know, it didn't happen right beforehand. But he was a massive, massive loss to that team, you know, from a physical point of view at the World Cup. And Leinster missed him as well. You know, he's a potential Ireland captain. You know, a lot of, everyone's kind of backing James Ryan to take over from Johnny Sexton at some stage. But I think Levy will have something to say about that if, if he can come back. And it's a massive if because it was a cataclysmic injury. He did terrible damage to his knee. And it's a massive achievement and a testament to his own uh, perseverance that he's able to get back to this level. I sneak in suspicion they may, well, he may play against Ulster next week or, or they might, you know, there's a couple of A games coming up. You, you maybe bring him back and Donnybrook at a, you know, on a, a quieter, you know, without the attention and the razzmatazz just to give him a, a feel for 40 minutes or, you know, do you kind of keep him on ice for next season rather than bring him back for these games and, you know, trust Josh Van der Fleer. Like they've got options. They've got Josh Van der Fleer. They've got Will Connors. They've got Scott Penny. That you know, they're not short of seven. So, but yeah, he's the natural successor to Sean O'Brien, and he was filling that role very, very well, to the extent that no one missed Sean O'Brien in 2018. But when you lost Sean O'Brien and you lost uh, Dan Levy together, Arden really felt it, and then they were able to cover it because maybe apart from the Saracens game, maybe they can get away with it a little bit more. But at the elite end. You know, Dan Levy's really important to Ireland and Leinster, and he, he, you know, he's a bit of a generational talent, and maybe isn't appreciated as much as he should be. So, I, I, I really hope he is able. I think it'll take time. Talking to people who've done cruciates before, and he's obviously done more than a cruciate. It does take, you know, a number of months even to get back up to where you where you were. But you know, by the time we get around to those November games, maybe or or maybe next year's Six Nations, you know, he he can be a really leading light for Ireland. If and it's a big if if he can get back to where he where he was. Yeah, Luke, because I guess as you mentioned with Joey Carvey earlier, how important it is with those lower leg injuries. They do seem to really be making sure that everything is, is right for Dan Lee before they bring him back after like as bad an injury as we've seen. Yeah, I think look, I've had kind of a you know a similar a similar one, like a you know, eleven, twelve monther um back in two thousand and nine. I did it in November. Um and I don't think anyone had actually got it in, in, in the Irish setup before. Uh, before I had it, and then Kevin McLaughlin did it six months later. But um, myself and Kev seem to have joined force in a few bad ones. But 
yeah, like, it, it, look, I think it'll, it'll come down to, look, at, at some point you make a decision as to, look, is this thing right? How much more careful, you know, should we be? And what's the value add of bringing them back for, you know, in, in the middle of a season? Now might actually be a good time to do it because everyone else is coming back back in cold anyway so you're not getting up to the pace of the game like everyone else like everyone else will be doing it she thought that was a big bottle of wine runs <laughs> <laughs> i said jesus is it that bad uh, no. <laughs> but um yeah like I, I i really hope to see him back in, in fine form i think he's just such a top quality operator he's so you know one of those guys who just put his body in places and in positions that you're going to say jesus i would never do that and that's probably possibly maybe the reason why he's hurt himself so badly on a few occasions but i i he think he's he's a fantastic player he'd be a huge addition to leinster and to ireland and you know hopefully we see him back hitting his stripes um you know sooner rather than later but they just have to make a decision as to is now the right time to do it when everyone else is kind of coming back in cold off a pre-season type um you know restart uh, or do they wait another couple of matches and say this and is it let's just call this season what it is and get him back and take the extra time because we feel like maybe there's a few other bits we can reintroduce them and and maybe soften the reintroduction to rugby so uh, they'll do what's best for them they're really good at it they do they've had they've had to deal with a lot of kind of fairly serious injuries in their um, and I have full confidence uh, in, in in saying that you know I think they'll bring him back at the right time for him uh, because Leinster don't really need to rush these guys back. They do have you know so like so much depth there um, you know all over the pack you know particularly in the pack I think very you know great operators all over the place and the back row is you know geez it's so deep there so um, they'll do the right thing for him and I just hope that you know we can see some kind of semblance of the player that 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 we saw before he left because if we do uh, he'll have a massive part to play in the next couple of years with Leinster and Ireland yeah and just on you, you mentioned that he, he tends to put his body you know on the line a lot I remember I think it was in November the national couple of years ago when he was ruled out and just said in brackets full bo- general body soreness it wasn't even like a specific injury it was just like his whole body was just <laughs> was just broken <laughs> from overuse um, never having put my body through a game like that I, I can't really speak to it with any confidence but I have seen like you do see it in some games like some of the guys in the engine room I mean uh, they certainly play a different kind of game to uh, to people out in the wide parts of the pitch even though the collisions aren't always uh, like some of the collisions out wide can be huge because everyone's going you know they've got a massive run up into each other but just it's the constant you know bashing around in there so it'll take a bit of a while to get back used to that stuff um, and as I said like they might say like there's probably two sides to that do they say well do you know what actually now, now might be a good time to do it because everyone's pretty much coming in off a big break and it's kind of a bit of a leveler for him. Um, that might be something they consider if it's like a week or two in the decision. Um, so yeah, we wait and see on that one. It's very hard to call that one. I like. I think they'll be careful with him because he's so valuable if he's if he hits the same kind of form he had before. The thing about it is though, like I mean, you think about like what he's gone through, like physically to get his body back, but like the, the mental approach. I like have such admiration for guys who are able to come back and like you know put their bodies on the line again because it's one thing recovering physically, but like Dan Levy wouldn't be half the player he is if he doesn't, you know, put his bodies in those positions. Like you think about how much of a jackal threat he is and things like that. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of deals with that um, that sort of approach. I think um, because yeah, like Irish rugby just needs him back. I think because 2018 was such a long time ago now, when it feels even longer than what it was after the lockdown. Like he was absolutely vital to everything that Ireland did, and if they can get him back, like it's such such a massive boost for Andy Farrell. 
Mm. Yeah, well, I'd say he's dying to get back. He did a few internships in uh, in a few businesses, so he's seen what the real world is like. So, <laughs> if there was ever a motivator to get back <laughs> and play rugby, <laughs> I'd say now is it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's so many storylines we could probably chat away for another hour, but we might wrap up, lads, with just maybe a few predictions for the weekend. I'm sorry, you, Keen. Obviously, we've lunch a bunch of Saturday night, then kind of or Sunday. You know, what are you expecting to see in the two games? Yeah, like, 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 obviously, like everyone is really looking forward to it. Both games, like the Munster Leinster game, like, like Luke said, is still huge. I mean, for all that you know, people say it's lost its luster over the last few years. I think we're going to see two strong teams this weekend, albeit you know with not a lot of form behind them. But yeah, like I mean, if if you were to go on paper, you'd have to imagine Leinster, like if they're at full strength, but. Like I'd be very, very disappointed if like Munster don't really put it up to them, especially if the two South Africans are in tow. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with Leinster there. Um, Connacht, yeah, like Connacht as a, as a wider point, I've been a bit underwhelmed with kind of their their kind of activity. Um, off season, they left go like something like twelve players, like and a few guys who kind of surprised me, like the likes of Nee Yadi Loken and Omicone. Um, I haven't been hugely like over overly impressed with like the signings that they brought in. They might prove me wrong. I think you know the big number eight, Abraham Papiali, is very much an unknown quantity. Um, they've signed a sevens guy O'Donnell from from Australia as well. So, um, yeah, I think they they're going to have a big job in their hands. I know it's a bit of a free shot over the next two weeks for them, but I just think after you know the, the redevelopment plans of the sports ground, there's something building there, and I just thought, and you know, Bundyaki staying as well. I just thought they might look to kick it on a bit more, but instead, it looks like a big rebuild. So that's a long-winded way of saying that I think Ulster will probably be on it this weekend. Yeah, Rod, I know you've uh, written the Connacht kind of analysis preview uh, for tomorrow. Uh, I had a sneak read of it earlier, so I know what you're going to say here. But uh, yeah, as Keane said, uh, it's it's been a, a tricky summer for Andy Friend, you know, with all those departures. And, and you know, they're one of their key signings. He hasn't played a huge amount of rugby union. He's coming from a kind of a lead background in New Zealand. Yeah, and I've been to, I did a kind of press conference the other day, and they're pretty excited about him because he's, he's, he's given them a point of difference. Someone described him like, one of the, I think it might be an old masters and that he that he's a, a bit of a Nick Williams type signing that he can give them like Nick Williams has been an incredible club player. I know he didn't go well, well at Munster, but at Ulster and Cardiff he's been a, a great addition and, and and someone who kind of is fo- a focal point. And I think Connacht have missed that ball carrying focal point. But yeah, he's uh, from what I I believe he didn't play an awful lot of minutes in minor ten last year when he was playing down in New Zealand. He's a bit of a money ball signing. You know, I think they've seen his stats and they've seen his meters after contact and that sort of thing, and they 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 decided to take a punt. But it is a point. They've seen on, his weight as well, Rod. What? They've seen his weight. Yeah, he's just, like he's massive, like so. <laughs> they, but I guess, needed the book. Um, Connector, yeah, it's it's they've had a weird summer, as Keen said, and, and I think they've got a free hit in the next two weeks. It doesn't really matter what happens to them. They've qualified for Europe um, and expanded. It's not confirmed yet, but it's going to be twenty four teams next year. They play Ulster and Munster, who both have something at stake. But then Ulster, you know, Munster, Munster may have qualified by next week. I, I think it probably has fallen badly for them. I think Munster may go into that game needing a win. So, um, but again, he can try and test out. He can play thirty players. He can rotate his team. He can try some combinations. It doesn't really matter. But a lot of those kind of players have never played in the Aviva, never had the opportunity. They're not our internationals, and this is pretty special for them. So, I think everyone's going to be playing up, and it doesn't matter what's at stake. I think because they haven't played in so long, everyone's going to be up for these games. Um, I think Munster can take Leinster but it's going to take an almighty effort and it's going to take a lot of things to click all at once which is quite difficult but I think the stakes are pretty high for them um, and I think Ulster are pretty, pretty should be too strong for Connacht especially given the circumstances around it Okay Luke I'll give you the last word thoughts for this weekend 
Um, yeah, Connacht Ulster, I think, um, I think Ulster. I've been talking about them for a while. I like them. I think they're building uh, very well. I think they're maybe a, maybe one or two pieces away from maybe Leinster uh, at this point. Maybe maybe slightly more. Um, pretty close to Munster at the moment, I think. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the you know I'm actually looking forward to next season and watching those two teams kind of duke it out to see um, if one has jumped ahead of the other. Um, those two signings might have kept at Munster's side maybe but yeah in terms of the games as we get Ulster um, again as the guys would say reiterate I'm a little bit underwhelmed by, by Connacht and kind of waiting to see what what kind of comes of those signings a few of those guys have won leagues that they let go and things and you're kind of saying well, is that the right thing to do at this point I don't know um, you know Munster Leinster um, I, I'm expecting lots of mistakes from the games like it's, it'd be like you know preseason games I'm like so I'm expecting them to be kind of scrappy affairs and this might be a really good time to get Leinster um, I think they'll have maybe one eye on the, the Champions Cup um, and kind of preparing the team for that because they're already kind of qualified. So um could be a good, good time to get Leinster. Um, my, my, my one thing maybe with, with, with saying, saying Leinster, though, to win is because I think they harp on about it all the time, but the training sessions uh, seem to be, you know, they mentioned a lot as being, you know, almost a difference maker for them or they feel like the, the quality of the training is a difference maker. I wonder will they come in fitter and more prepared than everyone else? That's the one thing. Um, my heart says it's going to be a close one, but I think Leinster will actually win it. But it could be a good time to get them. It's hard to call it, Will. I think first couple of games of the season, there's always so many mistakes, which makes it hard to call. But for going on you know, quality, I still think Leinster and I still think Ulster. Well, whoever wins, it's just unbelievable to have Ruby back to be able to chat about it again. It's It's been very enjoyable. Rory, Keane, Luke, Thanks so much for coming on this week and can't wait to chat to you over the course of the season. Cheers, lads. Yeah, cheers, guys. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week in association with independent.ie. We'll be back next week reviewing all the action from the Aviva Stadium. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.